When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Showtime. We're down to 50 seconds left in the fourth quarter. Starks. Yes! What a move by Starks who was able to sky to the basket. The Bulls call for time. Alright, so I don't do this normally, but hey, let's give the Knicks a little bit of love just for the sheer fact that rivalries were awesome and the Bulls-Knicks rivalry 89 beating Patino in the press. That was sweet, but really the rivalry started with the 92 Eastern Conference semis, seven-game series, fuck you, X. That was sweet. And then 1993, the Knicks up two games to none. The dunk with John Starks. Game five, Charles Smith. Smith again, no. Smith again, no. I'll end this podcast, by the way, with that because we're giving so much love to New York. I got to put that at the back end. But John Starks is with us today. We hated him, but we loved him, right? You had to respect the guy. Go back and look at where John Starks came from. Absolute nothing in Tulsa. Multiple community colleges. Incredible his story to the league. And just a phenomenal phenomenal player, phenomenal competitor. And uh, looking forward to talking him today. And we'll do it. Right now, here is John Starks. And one guard from Oklahoma State, 6'5", John Starks. And the other guard, 6'4", from Marquette, Glenn Tack Rivers. The New York Knicks are coached by Pat Riley. Assisted by J.K. One of the greatest competitors in NBA history, one of the greatest Knicks in NBA history, and a man... When I was growing up, I hated you, John Starks. I was a Bulls fan. You were a thorn in the side, <laughs> and I and I appreciate you for it more today than ever. So thanks for being with us here. I know we got a lot to talk about, but those were incredible years of watching basketball growing up in Chicago. It was it was one of the best rivalries the league's ever seen? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You know, competing against uh, Michael and those Bulls. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know they was a great team. Uh, well constructed and uh, they put on the show uh, and uh, you know during the 90s uh, basketball uh, in general was uh, fun to play because of the style of play uh, it was a physical style and uh, intense style uh, so we had a lot of fun during that time 
I was reading your book this morning, getting ready to talk to you, and you had the numbers down to a T. Mike shot three of 13 in this half. I had 27. He had 21. You had studied his moves, so when you first got to play against him, your first game in the league, you had an idea. You were ready. I appreciated the the preparation and all of it. You should be proud of how you competed against him, John Starks. Yeah, you know, when you're going up of – against a player of that caliber and uh, you know you had to do your preparations uh, just to try to get an edge on him if you could get an edge on him um, like I said he was um, one of my favorite players uh, when I was in college uh, to watch and uh, so I used to you know watch him all the time videotape uh, the games and when I was uh, playing at OSU and come back uh, home and sit up there and watch him, you know, perform. And so, uh, you know, you get a somewhat of an idea of the, the caliber of player he is until you face him. And, uh, you know, he was everything that I expected uh, to play against and more. I remember the double nickel game, him saying afterwards that he thought that you had forgot how to play him, like he had been retired or whatever, maybe it was different. Do you have any memory of like, like this is a different Mike coming yeah. back from baseball? Well, he's a lot bigger and a lot stronger. Yeah. Uh, obviously, playing baseball, you know, you have to uh, bulk up a little bit and and get stronger to swing that bat. <laughs> and uh, that's what I felt more so than anything was uh, his strength uh, when he came back. And so, uh, yeah, it was. I haven't played against him about a year and a half or so uh, after his retirement. And so it, it was kind of an adjustment to me. Uh, I think the, the next game I played him a lot better because uh, I kind of settled in. Uh, but uh, I knew coming into that game because he just hit the game when he shot against Atlanta. Uh, and I was like, oh, man. <laughs> so... Uh, and coming to New York, as you know, most players, especially guys uh, like him, always want to put on a show. So I knew he was coming in here to uh, uh, put on a show. It just wasn't nothing that I could do or we could do to uh, stop him. I was talking to uh, one of my diehard Nick friends who uh, used to coach basketball as a teacher now. And anyway, he, I, I told him I was going to be talking to you today. And he's just like, oh, man, the, my, my all-time favorite Nick. Like, he's like, you know, Patrick's got to be the best, but, but John's my favorite. It's got to make you feel great to just continue to hear that to this day. It does. Uh, I think New Yorkers always pull for the underdog uh, because of the nature of the city. You know what I mean? The city was built on underdogs and, you know, it's a blue-collar city and, and people appreciate uh you know, the path that someone takes in order to be successful. And obviously my path uh, was a little different than most uh, guys, excuse me, than most guys that got to the NBA. And the way I played, you know what I mean? I came in every night to uh, uh, come to work, so to speak, and and put in 100% and just ball out, you know, just – all out on the, out there on the court, and New Yorkers appreciate that when you come in and and pretty much earn your money. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And earn your money, and so uh, it was a 
it was uh, a fascination with the city for me being from Oklahoma and, and seeing everything that it took in order to um, be successful uh, in New York. So uh, I was excited and uh, just wanted to put on a show every night. Since you're talking about where you come from, uh, let's talk about what you're uh, doing here today. The John Starks Foundation, if you want to check it out online, johnstarks.com, J-O-H-N. You have your golf outing. It's actually tomorrow, and you've had some huge names come through there. LT, Lawrence Taylor, uh, Alan Houston, Rick Barry, a long list of guys, Mm -hmm. and you're doing this to try and help kids get to college. And, of course, you, you, you did the junior college route, you know, multiple schools. You didn't have access to uh, everything that some kids do. Why is this uh, mm-hmm. something that's been so important for you, John? I, I'm assuming it's, you know, big time your own upbringing and wanting to give kids a chance who deserve it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's just that, you know, obviously the path that I had to go, I had to go to normal, normal route that most kids do uh, coming out of uh, high school because I wasn't offered any scholarship or anything like that. So I had to go out and find money in order to go to school. And I know how difficult that was. I, I remember when I first started my foundation, my agent asked me what I wanted to do and how I wanted to give back. And I just thought about my path and what it took in order for me to get here. And so I said, you know what, let's uh, put education as the focal point and uh, to be able to raise money and give, you know, young deserving kids uh, opportunity uh, to go to college and, and start their future. And so uh, I started this back in 1994. Uh, the golf tournament uh, started in 95 and uh, we've been going strong ever since. Uh, I've been very blessed to be put in a position where I'm able to do this uh, for that long and have uh, incredible uh people who work with me, especially Jennifer Alpert, who's Jennifer, Jennifer Alpert, who's the director of my foundation. She's uh, been doing yeoman work over the years and, you know, and having key sponsors and people believing in, in what you're doing is, is, is the key thing, uh, as well as having uh, uh, the celebrity friends uh, come through and participate and I participate in their endeavors. And so it's been a blessing. You know what I mean? We didn't help hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids uh, throughout the year, and we continue to help them uh, even when they uh, get the scholarship money and they go off to school. We just don't leave it there. We continue to help throughout their four years. And uh, the beautiful thing about it is that they come back and they pay it forward and they come back participate uh, in the events that we do throughout the year. That's beautiful. I love seeing your guys come on back. Even though you guys never won the title, it's it's still one of my favorite teams in NBA history, John. I know you've talked at length. I was, you know, reading your book. Thank every- you. I got to say though, when I was in Madison Square Garden recently, and I'm walking through, and there's the mural of the dunk, and I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you got to see that when you get in there. <laughs> I had to defend Mike. I'm like, no, no, no. He, he was coming over late. He was. It wasn't completely on. It was more on Horace. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It was more on horse. Uh, I always say Mike got in the picture and made it look good. But <laughs> he always tell me that I didn't dunk on him, and I tell him that I got a big uh, painting in my house to say that I did. <laughs> so. That's awesome. When you hear the LeBron-Michael conversation, uh, what, what do you think of that comparison? Well, I think you can't compare the two because they 
two totally two different players. Uh, obviously, LeBron is six eight, what two sixty. Uh, even more, and people always say he's more like a Magic Johnson, but more athletic in that sense. Uh, Michael, you know, just a, a, a killer, basically. You know what I mean? He uh, his will and his athleticism and and what made him so special, and I tell people this, he was probably one of the most well-balanced athletes out there on the court. And what I mean by that, uh, I never, well, probably sometimes, but you hardly see him take off-balance shots or get in a predicament where he have to take an off-balance shot, uh, as well as as smart as he was as an offensive player as well as a defensive player. Uh, when he first came in the league, uh, he wasn't known as a, a you know a great outside shooter, and he developed uh, uh, that shot as well as uh, he ended up you know going all the way out to the three and being consistent in that area. Uh, he could take you inside, uh, like I say, he could take you off the dribble. He he, he could do it all. But what made him so special was his mind and his will will to overcome anything out there on the court. And that was obvious. And, you know, you look over his career, the plays that he made to, you know, win those championships. Uh, I can remember the play where he came back and he made a mistake at the end of the game and get got the ball stolen against Orlando uh, by uh, uh, Nick Anderson. Uh, everybody was shocked because you never see him make mistakes like that. And uh, I think, that's what separates him from most great players is because you never see him make mistakes in crucial moments. And LeBron was just different. You know what I mean? He's, he's a, a handful for his, his uh, power that he displays out there on the court. Uh, one thing that he has going for him because of his size that as it, you know, he slows down, he can even go to that power forward position and, and go down low. You know what I mean? And take advantage of, especially in today's game, because there's no one at his size that can guard him down in 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 that area. So uh, he's different, but you can't compare the two. Uh, I think like they're totally different in that aspect. But if you had to pick between one, number one pick in the draft, LeBron's available, Michael's available. Who's John taking? Michael. Michael. Yeah. <laughs> no question, Michael. I always say it like this. I always say if your life depended on it and you had him or LeBron taking the last shot, which one would you want to take the last shot? And majority of people say Michael. So that's how I would put it. Do you ever see the style of hoop coming back the way you guys played? Because I I, I love what I'm seeing today. I still love the NBA. I always will, no matter whatever's being played. But there's something about that grime that we're missing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you say, it was a grind back then uh, throughout the league, you know what I mean? Because the big man was so prevalent back then. Everybody had seven-footers on their team, and the game was more so inside-outside, and now it's more outside, really no inside game. Uh, you may have a few people that get down there on that block, but it's more of a uh, you know wide-open game, you know, more of a up-and-down, you know, shoot threes get-to-the-basket type of game. Um, you really don't see that mid-range game that you you saw back in the day. You have a few players that still goes 
goes to that, but the majority of them is either shooting threes or, or layups. And, you know, because of the rule changes, the way you can play defense makes it very hard uh, to get to that style again. Uh, it's fun to watch uh, when teams play together as a team and move the ball. Uh, but what I hate seeing is a lot of one-on-one. You know what I mean? I, I hate seeing that. I like more seeing the team concept with the ball. Ball is moving. And the teams that, you know, end up being successful are the teams that do that. You know, they move the basketball instead of playing one-on-one. And so, uh, no, I I don't see it getting back to that way unless the, the rules change from a defensive standpoint. But the, the league wants it more wide open and more points. And so, you, it's probably going to stay the way it is now. So, yeah. Uh, but I enjoy watching it. You know what I mean. The the guys are very talented in the way they can handle the basketball and and the way they can shoot the basketball and and the athleticism in the game now is is very special. And so, uh, I truly enjoy watching. Speaking of that one on one. When I watch the Clippers, I think that's what their problem is. It's like Kawhi's going to go, Kawhi's going to go, Kawhi's going to go. It doesn't work out at that moment, so he gives it to, to Paul George, and now he's going to play one-on-one. Yeah. They don't look together to me at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, they, they, I think their biggest problem is uh, they playing against a young team that's full of energy. And, you know, the Clippers get up on them. You look at their leads that they didn't have in the first half. I think the second half, and their losses is where the problem is. You know, they're not coming out the locker room uh, thinking that, you know, you can ease into the second half. You have to, especially with a young young team like that, uh, they're going to get right to it. And so Clippers is more of a veteran team, a little older team. So, you know, you, you tend to just kind of ease into that second half. You can't with this team. Uh, I look for something different uh, tonight. Uh, in the second half where these guys come out and, and they get right at it, you know what I mean? But they in for a dogfight, no question, you know what I mean? Uh, Denver, you know, just was just in the seven-game uh, series and end up winning, and so they have probably have a lot of confidence. So it's truly going to be up uh, to the Clippers and take a whole team collective effort uh, to uh, – you know, win this ball game. And I think some guys that haven't been looking at the basket for us to score are going to have to score uh, tonight, you know, to give Kawhi as well as Paul George some help help out there. And so uh, I'm looking for a different different Clipper team uh, to come out. So, But it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be an exciting one. I'll be sitting in front of my TV watching it and uh, and see what happens. If they do get through, who are you picking Clippers and Lakers? That's going to be a good one. <laughs> That's going to be a good one. Uh, you know, when you go through a seven game, and I've been through a, a few of them in my, in my time, you know, it takes a lot out of you. You know what I mean? It's just going to all depends on if the Clippers get through uh, this series and uh, see how much they have in the tank uh, come against a well-rested uh, Lakers team. And so uh, uh, I, I'm not sure. That's that's a toss. <laughs> you know, you you can flip a coin, and 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 if the Clippers have the energy, they they can beat L.A. But if they don't have the energy, then L.A. Uh, probably going to end up winning that. John Starks, awesome to talk to you again. Go to the 
Go to johnstarks.com, the John Starks Foundation. You're raising funds for high school students striving for higher education. The 25th annual, by the way, Celebrity Golf yeah, Classic. Yeah. How are you hitting them these days? I'm hitting them pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, COVID-19, COVID-19. <laughs> you, you probably got a lot of people. The golf course has been packed. Uh, lately, you know what I mean, more so than ever. You know what I mean, because people have time on their hands. Uh, but I'm I'm playing pretty well. If you want to donate, by the way, you can bid on the Steph Curry meet and greet experience. Everybody wants to meet Steph Curry. Come on, who by the way owns your record that you had at one point on the, on all time three pointers? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Most three pointers made in a season. Yeah, he, uh, he's special. Yeah, no, nah, he's 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 very special. You know what I mean. Uh, you got a couple of players that blew past me. <laughs> they blew past me in about 40 games. <laughs> These guys, uh, they they have no fear about pulling up from the three. And, and the beautiful thing about it now, the coaches don't even like bat an eye. Uh, I couldn't come down back <laughs> during that time and, and just pull up for a three, one on five, and, and that would be acceptable. Uh, by the time that ball got to the basket, Riles would be like, will someone go get him? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's, it's different. You know what I mean? When you, when you are unlocked in, in a sense, from a mental standpoint where you can just feel free to just shoot. And I think what you're seeing is, is a lot of players that normally wouldn't have that green light, have that green light and coaches don't bat out now. So this is different in that way. Let's get one comment on, on on Pat before you go. I just I got to get this in here. What what was your favorite thing about him? I know he was you were very special to him. Yeah. No, I I, I love Coach Riley. Uh, you know he was just special in the sense that uh, he was a blue collar type of player as well as a blue top, blue collar type of uh, coach. Uh, Forgetting all the uh, Armani suits and uh, slick back hair and uh, and the nice shoes that he wore, the cool ties and shirts, but he was definitely a blue collar uh, coach. You know, if you came to some of our practices, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, he was just one of those coaches that always had you prepared coming into a game. You never went in there with any doubt that you can win that game. He always paid attention to details and make sure that we paid attention to details because this thing was the smallest minute thing out there can get you beat. And he was right. You know what I mean? So, uh, and he came to work every morning, you know, he was in his office at six o'clock and he didn't leave until five, seven, eight o'clock at nighttime. You know what I mean? So as a player, you appreciate that. Uh, Cause I didn't play for some coaches that, show up when you show up and leave when you leave. And so, uh, but as a player, when he asked, you know, you to put in the work because he's showing you that he's putting in the work and you want to put in the work and because you know what that, what that's going to uh, return. And that's a uh, win. Kendall Gill was telling me a story. I, I forget whoever was the best guy on the team at the time. He kicked him out of practice one day. It might've been Allen Houston. It might've, I, I, maybe it was Sprewell. I forget. Did he ever kick you out of practice, John? I, I, did that happen? Well, no. Well, he didn't coach. He didn't coach any of them. It was me. <laughs> he kicked me out of practice a few times. <laughs> yeah. So I, I tend to get a little rebunctious sometimes, <laughs> and uh, you know, Riles he put up with it for a little bit. Then finally, he's like, "Get out of here." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> 
<laughs> Daddy says you got to go. You got to go. It's the way it is. Uh, yeah, to go. <laughs> Hey, John, congrats on all your success. It's awesome. You're giving back, and great to talk to you today. The John Starks Foundation, 25 years going stronger with the golf tournament. Uh, check it out, johnstarks.com. I really appreciate the time. All right, thank you. Thank you for listening. Give a rating, like, subscribe, five stars. It really, really helps. And as promised, memory lane, here's our guy, Charles Smith. Viewing out the set of picks. Here's Starks, changed his mind. Did you watch the game? Who won? Chicago Bulls. Who made the last shot? John Bax. <laughs> All right, let me speak to Mama.